0: This is A Better Utopia, an audiobook podcast written and produced by Counterculture Rebellion, read by the author, me. Dedication This chapter is dedicated to my grandfather, George. During my summers in Alaska, I cherished the time I spent with you helping build your shop. You said something one day that greatly affected me for the better. You said that Not to just follow or accept the political beliefs of others, whether they be family or friends, but to study the issue and decide what to believe for myself. Those words have guided me to this very day. Thank you. After a close call with a group of black-hooded thugs called the Utopians, Yuliam and his friends were saved by the steely nerve of Douglas. The group then packed up in a hurry to get out of Boston before the Utopians could tear the city apart. They just had to make it to the oil yard first. To say that we made it to the oil yard before the Utopians was an understatement. To say that we made it there by the skin of our teeth, well, that was way more accurate. By the time we arrived, there were only seven blocks away. You could hear the glass shatter, smell the toxic smoke of the building on fire, and see the rioters yelling in the streets from the oil yard. It was only a matter of time before they would be here to carry out their perverted sense of justice upon our heads. YVOR! You keep an eye out on that mess and make sure you have your rifles, yelled Leslie at the last man who entered the gate. Once we had arrived at the fence-in oil yard, he had taken full command of the compound like a general over the fort, which was easy as all the workers and guards of the oil yard had abandoned this place. I'm sure most of the oil yard employees thought to themselves that they were nowhere near paid enough to do what they did, let alone die for their job tonight. Douglas... Did they top off our tanker trailers? Leslie shouted over to Douglas, who was on top of a long cylinder trailer inspecting the contents inside. Looks like they had at least finished all three of our trailers before they fled. Douglas's deep voice shouted with a hoarse tone, clearly through the night he had been yelling. Fraser, Don, and Cooper, are the steam tractors ready to go? He looked at each of the teamsters sitting in the tractors. They each gave a sign of ready, whether it was a wave or a thumbs up. The steam tractors looked like a smaller version of a locomotive. They had two decks, one on the engine part that just had enough room for a few people to stand and feed the fire that heated the steam. The second deck was only 4 feet tall, enough room to fit a driver and a co-driver to control the metal beast. All three had a small cart attached at the back that would hold the fuel for the fire, in this case chopped wood and a barrel of resin. Then, behind the, that, a long tank holding some sort of fuel, used in the engines much larger than our steam tractors. Before the war, rumors that automobiles would no longer run on steam, but on the fuel inside these trailers. However, the money to develop the new technology with smaller engines had dried up and was spent upon the war effort. Leslie climbed up the last one of the steam tractors' platforms. For the first time... I noticed that there was a small amount of fear, just barely visible in his one eye. Everyone, to your places. Keep your heads on a swivel. And if they attack or try to climb up on this tractor or the trailers, he spat tobacco juice on a long string, you kill them dead. The whomping sound of the steam began to bellow from the steam stacks. The first tractor began moving like a lumbering giant who had just awakened from a long slumber. The men who had been guarding the gate opened it up, then leapt aboard the first tractor as it gained momentum out of the gates. The second tractor was not far behind the first. Then our tractor made the same great whomp sound as it was thrown into gear. The smell of steam and wood smoke now overpowered the previous smells as we passed through the gates and onto the paved road. Leslie climbed up the ladder off the platform and into the cockpit. All right, Frazier. I'll drive you, go down there, and you make sure that fire is hot as you can. I want to get as much speed as we can possibly muster. You got it, boss, Frazier replied. He made his way down the ladder and onto the platform. He was a round-bodied man, mid-fifties. He was balding and had a salt-and-peppered beard. He walked over to the fire door and grabbed the handle and opened it with a hard pull. The heat of the f- fire hit my face instantly. Bright orange light shined out and lit the platform up as if we had opened the very gate of Hades. The fire itself roared as if opening the door had simply offended it. He went on? F- Fraser yelled over the fire. You won't need much good passing wood into the thing. Can you manage to hop over to the trailer there and watch our asses? We're only pushing 15 per hour at this point, and I don't want to get knifed in the back, you know? Yeah, I'll head back there, Rodriguez said. Oh, and one arm. If you fall off, we can't stop to get you. So my advice is, don't fall off. Things. So I'll take that into consideration. Rodriguez rolled his eyes and he stuffed his revolver into his belt. He took off the sling that was holding up his arm and tossed it to the ground and began to climb the woodpile. Every so often, he'd let out a small groan or a grunt from using his broken arm to catch himself. You exotic girl, Frazier pointed to Lilith. The orange light reflected off her shiny red hair. Excuse me, her name is... Rebecca, the older sister, protested. Frazier waved Rebecca off like an annoying fly. Ain't got time to learn names. Exotic, girl. You go to those gauges over there. The first gauge I want pointed right before the red area. The rest, watch closely. If any of them go into the red area, you yell at me, you got it? She nodded and quickly went to the panel. The rest of you start handing me wood till I tell you to stop. If I say more, then you start again, easy enough, Fraser eyed the three of us. Good, give me wood. The sound of the rioters died down, or at least I could no longer hear them over the steam tractor. The first few minutes were spent carrying wood as fast as we could to the blazing fire. Then Lilith would call out to Fraser to come look at the gauges. He would then give us a short break of about a minute or two before the process would start all over again. We made several turns, so sharp I thought we would tip over or toss Rodriguez off the trailer like a ragdoll. However, every time I checked on him, he was still with us carefully watching our tail like a trained centurion. We passed areas that looked like normal Boston. Several homes stuffed together, an old butcher shop stood as if to mock us as the whole panic was over nothing. Then, we made another turn and everything changed. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. And if you wouldn't mind following or subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to, that would be awesome. Right now, I'm a one man show, so I do it all, writing, editing, and production. If you can, eh, share this podcast on whatever social media you use and it would really help me out. Now. I will quit shamelessly plugging my own podcast in the middle of my own podcast. And I'll let you finish this episode. Thanks. It was as if we were somewhere else or a nightmare, that somehow we had gone into another reality that was no longer our own or on this earth. There were several buildings set ablaze with no one trying to even put the fire to a stop. Even more buildings were just smoldering heaps of ash and brick casting a dark hellish glow. Horse-drawn carriages and wagons were either smashed to bits toppled on their side or on fire. A dead horse with no head laid in the sidewalk in a giant pool of gore. Various items like furniture and clothing and food was littered all over the roads. Everyone except Fraser was frozen. Many had the same wide-eyed, gaping mouth as I'm sure my face was stuck in. I'd seen terrible things in war, but that was war. Terrible things happen in war. Terrible things happen for some sort of purpose, like winning the war. This was just violence for the sake of violence. Carnage to fill a mob's bloodlust. Hey, Fraser broke the silence. Let's stay focused. If we make it through here, more than likely we are in the clear. Now get me more wood. We were about halfway through the destruction when a sound started to become barely audible. The sound itself was so familiar to me that I knew it was. It was as well as any nightmare I could ever know. The yells and cries of angry men and women. The screams of victims in terror or in agony. The clashing and smashing of doors and glass, all becoming louder with every passing moment. Then I looked to the front of our convoy of the steam tractors and I saw the very source. A mob of black hooded people, roughly numbering 40, were dancing in the street and smashing what little was left to break. Then others were carrying the wood bits into what used to be a park, but looked more like the aftermath of some disastrous forest fire. They tossed the wood into a giant bonfire, which rose into the sky spewing sparks and smoke. Beside the fire stood five figures in red silk robes that gleamed with the light of the fire. They each had two people, a mix of men or women, bound and kneeling at their feet. From time to time, they would strike them, or spit on them, and laugh. One grabbed a man who was at the feet, and pulled him up. He then shouted in a loud shrill voice, This one next, and laughed a hellish laugh. There in black, the black robes grabbed him. One struck him so hard on the head with a log that you could hear the thump reverberate off the buildings. The man went limp, and the others hurled his body onto the fire. On doing so, the man woke instantly in screams and terror, but only for a few seconds as the flames consumed him. This time, even Fraser froze. The steam tractor kept chugging along as if the world we'd lived in was safe and normal. Only one man's rough, distinguished voice cut through the fear. Leslie shouted, "'Push this tractor to the brink!' They still haven't noticed us, and <clears throat> if we are lucky, maybe we could get past them. Won't that put too much pressure on the steam tank and blow? Fraser said, snapping out of his trance. I'd rather be alive than find out and be dead with a working tractor. Push it to the limit now. You exotic girl, help out with the wood. Every third log, check the gauges. And uh you, Fraser pointed at me, whatever your name is, you get to the trailer and you help your broken friend. If anyone so much as moved to get on this trailer, you shoot them dead. I don't care if it's your grandmother. You shoot them dead, you got it? I looked down at my saber that was hanging on my hip and made sure it was still secure. I then slung my rifle on my back and began climbing the wood pile. Once on top, I hopped over to the trailer that was following us. It was a long cylinder with a railed platform on top. The left side at the end had a ladder that extended a few feet towards the ground. Rodriguez was standing near it back, still scanning, behind us. I wondered if he would had seen, or heard, or knew the horror that was ahead, or if he was just blissfully unaware. I envied that bliss if it was true. I grabbed the cold metal of the handrail and made my way to the back, only stumbling once when the trailer heaved up or a bump, or at least I hope it was a bump and not some dead body sprawled out on the road. Looks like we're going in for a bit of a tiff, Rodriguez said without looking at me. Yeah, we are, I replied, cold sweat running down my back. Weird, isn't it? What's weird? We fought away for four years of the worst war that we'd ever seen, then two years of squishing rebellions and kissing foreign people's ass just to come home and get killed by a cult. It's like we fought for our freedom over there and lost it here. Rodriguez looked down and inspected his revolver. I stared at the worn-torn streets behind us and tried to think of something clever to say. Maybe even something funny to lighten the darkness, but nothing came to mind. Hey, Reverend, you pray for my soul? Uh, I don't really do that anymore. Why? Rodriguez looked puzzled and slightly offended. I know it hit me how that sounded just then. I'm not saying you can't be saved... It's just that I have stopped. A cry in a distance shouted my rambling explanation. More blood for the sacrifice. More violence to finally grasp our peace. Another cry came out following that one. Throw them too on the fire with those who have oppressed our utopia. I looked over and I saw the crowd had stopped the previous activities after the first steam tractor had passed them. Apparently, they too, along with the second tractor, had pushed their steam engines to the very limit. The second tractor had went barreling down the road and had almost crushed a group of riders had they not scrambled like mice to get out of the way. Now, being quite educated on the matter, they timed their jump to our passing and landed on the trailer and the tractor. The first was a pudgy man that attempted to jump on the side of the tractor's platform. He misjudged the speed of the tractor and was quickly gobbled up underneath the trailer's wheels. A sickening sound of bone crunch could be heard as the trailer bounced over his fat body. A few people hesitated at the sight and stopped their running. But the brave ones, or the dumb ones, however you'd like to look at it, continued their pursuit. A tall, well-built man timed his jump perfectly and began climbing the ladder of the trailer. He clawed his way up like a cat, fighting to get out of a bath. He also had the same look of terror and rage-stricken face as that very cat. Without a second thought, Rodriguez lifted his revolver and outstretched his arm like a dancer, calling his partner to the da- ballroom floor. A boom of fire and smoke bellowed from his arm. The man's head snapped violently back in a mist of red as he fell to the ground. Another man, not as tall but still athletic, jumped from the other side of the trailer. His fingers barely caught the edge of the platform, and he began to kick and fight his way to the top. I then drew my saber and went to swing at his hands. However, we must have hit or ran over something because my swing was well off. My body lurched hard to the rails behind me. My blade went through the air and made no connection. I felt my back collide with the metal and gasped. The man who was now across from me had made it up the side of the rails. We looked at each other's eyes. He had shock or panic on his face, and I didn't really have time to guess which one. Maybe he was amazed that he had somehow gotten onto this very platform from such a high height. His eyes went back from shock and then to rage as he swung his fist at me in a roundhouse motion. He had been overzealous, though, and with his throw, as the trajectory it ended up, totally missing me and his bicep bounced off my head i shoved my shoulder deep into the man's chest with all the might and adrenaline i had running through me he stumbled back giving me room to swing my saber my saber caught him by his arm one second there was an arm his flesh and blood attached to his body the next moment there was just blood gushing out of a stump like a gross fire hydrant the rage left his face he had the look of absolute horror as he stared at the now missing arm that was gushing blood i kicked hard at his chest like a spartan would and he fell to the ground with a shriek that made my ears ring the majority of riders had fallen behind the tractor so they resorted to throwing rocks or glass bottles which exploded against the trailer's metal hole with a crash one bottle blew up in the middle of me and rodriguez he swore as we shielded our eyes from the flying glass I heard gunfire and I turned around to look at the tractor pulling us. Two people had made aboard the platform. One was a man who resembled a square. He was short and built like a bull. The other, a thick woman. She looked as though she had lifted boulders and ate metal. With her hood now hanging down, it revealed a buzz cut and several piercings. The man was fighting with Jacob in a battle over the rifle. While the woman... or. The giant, I should say, slugged Frazier in the head and knocked his glasses, flying to the floor. "'I got a rear. You go help them!' Rodriguez shouted over the noise of the crowd. He had taken the broken arm and wrapped it around the handrail for support, then let out a couple shots back at the bottle throwers. Beads of sweat rammed down his face, along with a trickle of blood from the fresh cut from his cheek. Must have been caught by the flying glass." I made my way as fast as I could while choking on steam and smoke from the smokestacks. By the time I'd reached the wood cart, things on the platform had begun to look very grim. The square man had won his battle over the rifle with Jacob, and now he had aimed the dead center of Jacob's body. Jacob, whose hands were now in the air, I shifted back and forth from me to the square man. I pulled my rifle off of my back as quickly as I could and put the square man in my sights. But unfortunately, he had followed Jacob's gaze, and he began turning the rifle back towards me. But before he could, Rebecca struck the man in the head with a log from the fuel cart. A sick thump sound, and the man's squared head splurt blood, and he toppled over onto the platform, dropping the gun. The thick woman broke off her fight with the old fat Frazier, and dove for the gun and clawed it up from the platform floor. I readied my rifle at her, as she took aim at Rebecca. My shot ripped through the air first, smacking her in the back with a meaty thump. She also let off a shot, but her aim was thrown off by my bullet. The round whizzed past Rebecca and into Fraser, who had gotten up and quickly turned from the fight. He was trying to keep the fire going, trying to keep the gauges under control. Yet, he couldn't. He let out a fearsome yell of rage and clawed at his back as if something had stung in him. The thick woman toppled over the platform like a bag of old, dirty laundry and under the wheels of the wood cart, and she made the same sickly crunch. The wheels made another crunch sound again, and I couldn't guess if we were running over another person or if they were still trying to traverse her giant body, but yet it caused my stomach to flip and want to vomit. Lilith, who had her back glued to the gauge panel in shock, had not come out of it. She rushed over to the now wheezing Frasier we got to keep that fire hot. <coughs> he coughed and choked. Or they'll catch up and we'll be dead. He spat out blood onto the platform floor. We can do it. Just sit over here and rest. Lilla tried to lead him to the corner like a mother would a hurt child, but Fraser pulled back. No, uh, I don't need no rest. Fraser let out a fit of coughs then pulled his hand away for, to reveal from his mouth a palm covered in crimson. Will will handle it, and you can tell us from over there if we do anything wrong. Lilith, looking like hell, but she still had that motherly compassionate look in the face of all mortal's terror, just pleading with the man to listen. Frazier began to topple over, and Jacob moved quickly and caught him. Let's get him to the corner. "'I will stay with them, and I'll I'll see what I can do. "'Maybe I can save them,' Lilith stated. "'Lilith, I don't think,' Jacob began to yell. "'It will be fine!' she yelled back. "'She went from looking motherly to like a lion in a flash. "'Besides, you should all be busy with the fire.' "'Jacob murdered something under his breath "'and rolled the thick-hooded square man's body off the platform. "'He then dusted his hands on his pants "'and began working with the fire.' Rebecca and I jumped back into the rotation of passing Wood to Jacob. Not long after the rotation, I started to hear a soft cry just barely over the roar of the steam tractor. I dare not look to where Lilith was because deep down I already knew. I knew as soon as the shot had ripped through Fraser, he was a goner. I knew that unless Lilith was a surgeon and this was a hospital, he was a dead man. And I hated that I knew all of this All too well. Time passed. How much, I'm not sure. That's the thing about battle, it distorts everything around you. From faces of people you know, to your own personal beliefs, and even time itself. All I knew was dawn was just faintly lighting the sky. With the new light I could see, we were only blocks from the bridge that would lead us out of this hellhole of a city. Damn it! Who's watching the gauges? We're losing speed! Leslie yelled down. We're keeping the fire as hot as we can! Jacob yelled back. What about water and steam pressure? Jacob peeked at the gauges and swore. Water's half gone and... And we're dropping steam pressure. Then Jacob leaned around the platform and peered at the engine and the tanks. He swore again. We are leaking steam. Your magic, we have a mold the metal back. Leslie snarled. Make it fast, we're falling behind and losing the group. Hey, uh, it's it's you, Liam, right? Jacob looked at me. Yeah. Hold on to me as I leave over the edge. I'm gonna see if I can reach the holes. I grabbed a hold of Jacob as he leaned to mold the holes closed. He swore and shook his now red hand. Ah, it's too hot to touch. At least I can't touch it long enough to get it closed. What about your sister? Is she more powerful than you or at least not less wimpy? Listen here, you old fat, Jacob began, but was cut off by his sister. I will see what I can do. Yuliam, can you hold me? Rebecca asked. I'll hold you. Yuliam, you tend to the fire. Jacob bit Willie went his hand at me blindly. He then looked over at me and saw the look of a wolf about to bite his head off of, of a deer. Like, Please, Jacob added. Jacob, lean me a little further. My arms are not as long as... Rebecca trailed off. What is it? I asked as the tractor came to a stop. Then, Jacob's face turned somber, and the, he pulled his sister back onto the platform. I learned to see what it was. The tractor that were ahead of us were no longer in sight. Instead, there were eight riders on horses. There, just black silhouettes cut against the gray dawning sky. The one in the middle threw his hood back, and the face of the snake man appeared. That same stupid smile on top of that very bruised throat. friends. His once smooth and slick voice had become more raspy and bitter than the last time. I could not let you leave the city without saying goodbye. He began to laugh, but it turned into a cough midway through. Get the hell out of my way! If you don't think this tractor won't crush you on your damn horse, you're wrong! ''Oh, that's not very nice. Here I was, going to make a deal with you, and you threaten me.'' The snake man, who I now remembered his awful, horrible, ugly name, Balaam, seemed to act talk like he was in a position of authority. ''If you want money, then fine, but I'm not stupid. I won't pay you one red cent till you move aside and I'm on the other side of the m- bridge.'' Leslie then stuck his revolver out the window of the cockpit and waved it. And if you try anything funny, all you'll get will be lead from me. I don't want money, you gun-toting idiot. I want the two army scumbags that attacked me and my friends. Give me them, and you can go on your merry little way. Rodriguez jumped down from the woodpile just then. "'You want your sorry ass kicked again, you sick son of a—' Leslie cut him off. "'You can have money, but you can't have my employees. "'I'll give you all I got. "'Besides, it's illegal to harm a soldier that's serving in the UPC Army.'" First off,' Balaam raised his hand as if to lecture a student, "'They are no longer soldiers.'" All soldiers were discharged as of midnight tonight. Secondly, look around, Pops. This is our city now. We make the rules. Not you. Not the mayor. And not that baboon of a president. We are our own rulers. Look around. Wake up. Leslie spoke quietly to us. Get ready and move. I'm gonna run that little rat over. You make sure that the fire going and your weapons are shooting. Got it? So what will it be? Hand over the numbskulls. We kill you and burn your trailer. Balaam called out, growing impatient. How about you burn in hell? Leslie then threw the tractor in gear, and it surged forward 20 feet, then lost all of its power. Leslie swore, the loudest I've heard him thus far, "'We've lost all of our steam power! Get ready for a fight!' The black-hooded men kicked their horses and started for us, with clubs and old pipes waving in the air. Balaam's smile grew even larger as bloodlust filled his eyes. "'Mr. Leslie!' Rebecca called out. "'Drive!' No, sis, don't. You'll, you'll kill yourself. Jacob reached for his sister, but she had already pressed her hands against the tractor. Her skin turned pale and waxy like she was one of those mannequins at a creepy museum. And her eyes went from the ocean blue so bright that they looked as if light had been coming out of them. When I looked closer, light was coming out of them. They reflected off the glass of the gauges with a blue sheen. The tractor came to life and began accelerating faster than it had before. Leslie swore, but not from anger, but from surprise. The dark monks on horses steering their mounts away from the oncoming metal monster as best as they could. They were just a shock that we were moving as well. However, one who was on Balaam's left was not quick enough and was taken under the tractor, horse and all. Rodriguez, Jacob, and myself let out a volley of gunfire. Three more dark monks crashed to the ground and rolled. We quickly climbed to the top of the woodpile, Rodriguez seemingly forgetting his broken wrist with the help of the adrenaline, and made it up without a single whimper. We then took aim, but the rest of our shots rang over the heads of the monks who were quite out of range. I want to kill that face snake prick, Rodriguez swore into the void of the morning air. This has been A Better Utopia, Chapter 3, A Way Out of Hell. Written and produced by Counter Culture Rebellion and read by the author. Please catch our next episode, October 11th, and find out what happens next. Thanks for listening.